Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. thunderstorms rolling in and I got the top off my Jeep and it's gotten pretty dark here in the house so I'm gonna have to poke my head outside and see what the weather is doing and I'll be right back all right I'm back and yeah boy big daddy of all storms blowing in there the whole reason I took the top off my Jeep in the first place is because the forecast said it was going to be sunny for the next four or five days so uh, that's what you get when you listen to the weatherman in Spanish uh, a lot of people call them mentirologos <laughs> which cracks me up mentirologos instead of meteorologists they call them liarologists <laughs> all right now on to the subject of the day let's talk a little bit more about inherent worth, which is the very opposite of the foundation belief system upon which folks with borderline personality disorder live, is such an important hurdle to get past for those who are interested in authentic emotional health. Back in episode 51, we heard Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood fame speak repeatedly about it. But one thing Mr. Rogers never did in any of those clips is explain why. Why do you have inherent worth? Frequently, I see people talking about mantras or repetitions that they make to themselves. Whenever they start feeling like dirt, they've gotten into the habit of repeating like 50 times over and over again things such as, you are valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. Or, you're not dirt. You're not dirt. You're not dirt. In a short-term situation, like maybe getting through the grocery line at the store without being overwhelmed by social anxiety, this might be a handy-dandy little exercise for some. But thinking larger, much larger, larger than just getting us through any immediate situation that we're in temporarily. Are you able to see the problem with this sort of approach? What's wrong with chance or repetitive affirmations? See, this is where I think Fred Rogers did not go far enough. As much as I love the guy, he was very, very good at telling people that they had inherent worth 
that he liked them just the way they are for being who they are and that the way they comb their hair and hold their fork and the clothes they wear, that none of these things mattered. It was the person himself or herself that Fred Rogers admired and liked, and it's wonderful that he did this. I can't think of anybody who has ever done it more or is more well-known for communicating that message to others. The problem is, I don't think Fred Rogers was truly able to comprehend the forces he was up against when he was talking to people like, for example, those with borderline personality disorder, who live with the certainty, the certainty, that they are inherently worthless, that their natural state is one that is devoid of worth. Because, you see, when you live with the unconscious or subconscious certainty that your natural state, your inherent state, is that you are devoid of worth, it doesn't matter how many times somebody tells you that you have value. Fred Rogers or anybody else can tell you that they like you just the way you are every day of your life for 50 years. And it's never going to make a difference. Oh, sure, you'll probably feel good hearing it in the moment. But what I mean is that simply being told you have value is never going to change what you believe is your inherent nature. Again, this word inherent is a word with major, major importance here. It is so important to grasp and understand the nuance. When we talk about a person perceiving himself or herself as inherently without worth, we aren't simply saying that they're feeling lousy at the moment. It's that from their perspective, they are worthless. They were born worthless. This is their natural state. It is inherently what they are. Worthless. Can a thing ever change what it simply is? For example, when I was a kid, one thing I used to do was envy certain animals and wish I could be one of those animals. Maybe you did that too. And some of you might think this is funny <laughs> because they're sort of hideous. But I often daydreamed about being a possum. If you don't know what a possum is, Google it. And why did I like possums so much? Because of their tails. I loved how they could hang by their tails. So, for this reason, I envied possums, and also monkeys, and lemurs, and pretty much any animal with a tail who could use their tails to swing or hang or grip things. Did it matter how much I wished to be one of these animals? Was it ever going to change the reality of what I simply was or wasn't? You know, I could tie a fake tail to the butt of my jeans, and I could crawl around on all fours. Would this change the reality of what I simply was or was not? No. Nothing changes what we just are. 
What if I wished to be an Asian person? You know, I'm a, I'm a white boy from the Appalachian South. What if I envied Asians and I wanted to be Asian? Is anything ever going to change the fact that I'm a white boy? <laughs> no, nothing's ever going to change it. I am what I am. Take the lemur, for example. You put a jacket on him and a hat. Is he now a person? No, and he will never be a person. He's a lemur, and a lemur is what he will always be, no matter how you dress him up. So when we say that people with borderline personality disorder perceive themselves as being inherently worthless, it means that from their perspective, this is their natural state, and it will always be their natural state. See, if it were just a superficial thing, it wouldn't be a problem at all. For example, when you make a dumb mistake and you palm yourself on the forehead and you say, golly, I am such a dumb-dumb. When most people say this, do they truly believe that dumb is what they are? No, they simply mean that they did something goofy right there in that moment. But beneath it all, they know they aren't dumb, so this momentary lapse of intelligence is a very superficial thing. It doesn't go on affecting them a few minutes after their mistake has passed. But there's nothing superficial about the underlying perception that people with borderline personality disorder live with. Oh no, it's not of a superficial nature at all. Rather, it involves inherent realities, the very nature of things. Their perceptions of the very nature of what they inherently are and inherently are not. So, back to the question. What is the problem with repetitive expressions of self-validation? Well, the problem is, frankly, the person is repeating over and over something that, although it sounds positive and reassuring, it's something they simply do not believe. It's like if I were to stand here right now and repeat to myself over and over and over again, I'm a lemur. I'm a lemur. I'm a lemur. I am a lemur. No matter how many times I repeat it and no matter how hard I force myself to buy into it, Deep down, I know I'm lying to myself. It's the same for folks with borderline personality disorder. You're valuable. You're valuable. You're valuable. No matter how many times they say it, no matter how encouraged it makes them feel in the moment, deep down, they know they're lying to themselves. And you know, the irony is that they aren't lying at all. They really do have value. But their underlying certainty about reality says otherwise. So they are in fact just repeating something over and over again that they know they don't truly believe. In other words, they might as well be lying to themselves. 
it would do just as much good, which is to say, no good at all. I hope this explains why either being told over and over again or telling yourself over and over again that you have inherent worth is ultimately not going to do any good. It isn't the answer to the problem. So, what is the answer? The answer is convincing yourself with concrete, specific reasons why it is that you have inherent worth. Do you see the difference? We're going from simply saying or repeating a thing to now proving to ourselves why that thing must be so. This is how we reject the lie that we currently have as our underlying foundation perception of reality and replace it with a new, more accurate perception. We look at all the ways the inherent worthlessness absolutely cannot reflect the reality of the situation. And we also look at why it is concretely accurate that the opposite is true instead. Have you ever wanted to be a lawyer? Now is your chance to be your own lawyer. You're going to argue for yourself, and you're going to win this case because all of the evidence is on your side. You see, what we're doing is upping the ante. We're no longer content with lying to ourselves. Now we're progressing to a place where we expect solid evidence before we accept a thing as being real or not. Lying to ourselves is not going to cut it. We either convince ourselves with solid evidence or we're never going to believe it. So now let's talk about inherent worth again, but this time our focus is not the what. Now our focus is the why. Why do you have inherent worth? How can you be sure? Well, to get into this discussion, we first have to go back to the word inherent. What does inherent represent? It represents the very nature of the thing. In the past, I've used the example of ice and fire. What are qualities that are inherent to fire and ice? Hot and cold, right? Are you ever going to find cold fire or hot ice? No, because those qualities are complete contradictions to what the very nature of ice and fire are. So when we talk about your inherent worth, what we mean is that it is a quality that is automatically included with being a human being. It is an inseparable part of what it means to be a person, having worth, value, Now, do some people have more worth than others? N notice the nuance of the question. Do some people have more worth 
in general than others? Yes. But does anybody have more inherent worth than anybody else? No. We are all born with the same inherent worth, which is not dependent on any external thing. There are different ways of measuring worth. For example, if you're a person who believes in God, think of King David. Certainly, he was very, very close friends with God, and God loved him very much and used him in exceptional, honored ways. And there were other people of that same era who did not have as close a relationship with God who, or who were not as admired by God. So we can say that David had overall greater worth or importance than a lot of his contemporaries. If you are an atheist, think of men of scientific fame, such as Albert Einstein. Did Albert Einstein have greater overall worth than most of his peers and the people of his time? Sure, we can say that because of what he contributed to society and to our understanding of the nature of reality. What he accomplished was astounding, and nobody, nobody in over a hundred years has even come close to duplicating it. But notice this. In neither one of these examples are we talking about inherent worth, the worth all people are born with. When we talk about inherent worth, we're talking about something that all people are born as equals with and live as equals with. Now back to King David and Albert Einstein. The worth we are talking about for them in the examples that we just gave were dependent on external factors, weren't they? For example, Albert Einstein's greater worth depended on his accomplishments in science. After all, if he had not contributed a single thing to science, would we still be able to consider him as having greater worth than his contemporaries? No, not at all. If something is an inherent quality, can it then by nature be affected by any external factors such as accomplishments or relationships or honors? No. If it could be affected by external things like that, that would utterly contradict the very nature of what something being inherent means. For example, hot is not inherent to fire, only in certain conditions. If fire was only hot under certain special conditions, we wouldn't be able to say that hot is inherent to fire, could we? So, do you see how inherent the very definition of what it means makes that quality completely independent of any factors whatsoever? It's just naturally included with the thing. So when we discuss the inherent worth that all of us are born with, we're all born with the same, and nothing in life can affect it. It's the very nature of what the inherent quality of this worth means. It cannot be affected by any factors 
Not our height, not our weight, not our age, not the country we were born in, not our social status, not how much money we have, not our race, nothing. If our inherent worth is totally immune to any and all factors, that is, if no external thing can have any effect on what is simply our inherent worth, then what determines that we have it at all? For example, no matter how amazing we are at art, this does not add to our inherent worth at all. Additionally, no matter how terrible we are at math, this does not detract from our inherent worth at all. Because remember, inherent worth is not something that is earned or that can be taken away from us. It's inherent to who we are, right? To what we are. So, since this is true, what determines that we have inherent worth at all? I can't do anything to earn it. I can't do anything to have it taken away. How does it exist at all? Do you remember way back in earlier episodes of this podcast, we discussed the importance of understanding the differences and the relevance between the concepts of capacity versus ability. Do you remember the main points of that episode? Well, now you're going to start to get an even bigger picture and epiphanies regarding why it's so important to understand the differences between those two things and how an appreciation for their differences ties in to the greater picture of emotional health. At the time, the main point of that article or that podcast episode was to discuss how to determine what is reasonable versus what is unreasonable when it comes to expectations we should have of ourselves and of others. And what it all come down to was this. We are justified in expecting things that we or others are capable of, even if they are unable to do it, because ability is dependent on many things. It's dependent on what we know or don't know, or whether we have ever taken time to learn something. But is our capacity dependent on external factors, such as what we know or don't know? It is not. Our capacity simply is what it is. We have no say over it at all. For example, we send our children to school because they're unable to read and do math. They're unable. But are they capable of reading and doing math? Yes, they are. They only have to learn. And since they're capable of learning, we can rightly expect it from them. Remember, I used the example of my dog. Is it reasonable for me to get upset at him if I ask him to write the next great American novel and he doesn't do it? No, this would not be reasonable of me. Because even if he wanted to, he could not do it. He lacks the capacity. Notice, he doesn't simply lack the ability. Rather, he lacks the capacity to do it. Therefore, 
those expectations would not be reasonable. But let's say I bring the same dog home from the pet store when he's a puppy. Is it unreasonable of me to expect him not to pee on my carpet given some time? This is not even a little bit unreasonable because even though he's unable, unable to prevent himself from peeing on my carpet because he's never been house trained before, he is capable of not peeing on my carpet. And it is his capacity, not his ability or inability, but his capacity, which makes my expectations reasonable. So do you see how we have no say whatsoever what our capacity is or our capabilities are? We don't. Our capability, our capacity, is an inherent possibility that simply exists within us, whether we like it or not, or ever take advantage of it or not. It's simply there. It doesn't matter if we don't want to be able to play the piano. Each one of us still has that capacity nonetheless. Does it matter if we never take advantage of this capacity or this capability? No. The capacity or the capability still is what it is. That possibility is still there. Now we're getting somewhere. So I'm curious. Have you begun putting two and two together yet? And is it slowly dawning on you that capacity or capability is at the root of our inherent worth? Yes, it is the capacity you exist with that is included in the very makeup of your existence. The endless potential that this capacity makes possible, which creates your inherent worth. Notice, it doesn't matter if you ever exercise your capacities. It doesn't matter if you ever do anything incredible with your capacities. It doesn't matter if you ever do anything at all with your capacities. No, no, no. It's that you possess these capacities at all. That is the secret of your inherent worth. The capacities that are built into the very fabric of you as a human being that are unique in all the world. It's not what you do. Rather, it is the capacity that you inherently possess. The unique potential that exists within you as a human being comparative to every other thing in existence. To illustrate it, think of a man who dies when he's 19 before he has ever had time to meet a woman and fall in love. What has been lost? Young man, 19 years old, dies, has never really lived a life, has not, never even really had time to get his life started. What has been lost? Well, you might say that his future has been lost, right? He never got to experience real adulthood. He never got to experience love. What a tragedy, right? But I'll ask you again. What 
was lost. Think deeper. What potential did this 19-year-old man represent? What possibility or potential existed within this 19-year-old man that now will never play out? Do you give up? Did this young man not have the capacity, did the potential not exist for him to father millions of future people? So what was lost? What was lost was potential. The potential of all that could have come from him. Millions of lives. Who knows how many geniuses, artists, poets, architects, scientists, teachers that could have completely altered the direction of mankind. All of them individually born with the same capacities that are unique to human beings only. So the tragedy is not that a single person died and that a single person won't get to experience love and all that even though that in itself is tragic, don't get me wrong. But all people die. The real tragedy, the real weight of the loss, is in all the potential that got lost with him. Back to your inherent worth. Does it matter if you ever do anything spectacular in your life, like create a best-selling music, music album, or design a world-renowned piece of architecture, or bring peace to the Middle East? No. Your inherent worth, it's inherent to being a person. It's based on the capacities you possess that only human beings possess. It's not what you do or don't do with these capacities. It's that you have them at all. Is the smartest ape in the world capable of reading Shakespeare and then of contemplating the deeper meanings in it. No, the smartest apes in the world can't even hold the book right side up without help. Can an elephant contemplate the future? No, no animal can, not even squirrels, who prepare for winter by instinct, are able to think about how they would like life to be like tomorrow, plan for it, and see it through. They are incapable of this. What they do with hoarding nuts, they do by mere programming. Only you possess true free will, the capacity to contemplate the future, and many other qualities that are unique to being a human being. It's unique to what you are, a person. Are the most beautiful butterflies in the world capable of knowing that they are beautiful? No. They are not capable of knowing this, nor are they capable of caring. Notice the nuance there. It's not that they just don't know or that they just don't care. They're not capable of knowing, nor are they capable of caring. They do not possess that capacity. Are any other animals or living creatures that see them fluttering by, capable of appreciating the beauty of those butterflies. 
not a single one. Only people possess this capacity. Is there anything on earth that is capable of thinking in terms of moral right and wrong, and then of adopting principles and philosophies on life to live by? Yes, you, but only you, as a human being. There is nothing else that exists that possesses this capacity. Now, I could keep going, but I'm not going to because that wouldn't be doing you any favors. What I'd like instead is for you to assume this as your homework assignment for this week. To think of all the things, great and small, that being a human being makes you capable of. What capacities are inherent to human beings which nothing else possesses? Think outside the box. For example, it's true that only human beings are capable of writing poetry. But what are some more subtle capabilities that you have as a human being that perhaps we take for granted? Guilt is one. Principled love. How about appreciation for variety? Does your dog care that there are other planets in our solar system or what the conditions on those planets might be? No, she or he does not. We just recently saw a black hole for the first time as a human race. Would the smartest apes in the world be capable of understanding what black holes are no matter how much time we spend explaining it to them? No. Would they look at the picture and understand its significance? No. Only you have the capacity for those things. So that is your homework, to think hard about all the great and small capacities that are built into you and only you as a person. I know I said that it was your homework for this week, but instead I'm going to say it's your perpetual homework from now until you're convinced that your inherent worth is a real thing and that no person has ever been born being inherently devoid of worth. In the meantime, I'd like you to do me a favor. I'd like you to take out your smartphone and look at it. Just look at it for a minute. That's a real nice looking phone, ain't it? That's a nifty case you've got on it there. Just look it over and now think about all the stuff your phone is capable of doing. It's really amazing, ain't it? They say that our phones today are hundreds of times more powerful than the computers that were in Apollo 11, which took men to the moon. So now, holding this fancy, pansy phone in your hands and thinking about all the things it's capable of, I want you to think back to the day that you bought it. Now imagine you've taken this phone up to the checkout counter or you're chatting with an online representative and you're just about to purchase the phone and you say, ma'am, I've got just one question. And she says, 
Certainly. Ask me anything. And you say, all right, well, I know this phone is capable of doing literally hundreds and hundreds of things. I, I realize it has that capacity. But the truth is, I'm only going to be making calls with it. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to pay you $20 for it because I think that's fair. You know, since I'm not going to be using all the other things it's capable of doing, I'll just pay you $20 instead of set the $700 you're asking for it. How do you reckon that would go over? Do you think they'd sell you the phone for $20? Since, as you say, you have no interest in using the phone except to make calls? After all, there are lots of $20 phones nowadays that will make calls just as well as this miniature supercomputer can. Here, here's $20. Just go ahead and package that up for me. You see, the value of the phone is in its capabilities, its capacities, not in whether you need every one of those capacities or even if you could ever use every one of those capacities. It's priced for what it's priced based on what it could do if you ever wanted it to. It is capable of doing all of those things, which makes it very valuable. If I buy it, and I never use a fraction of what it's capable of doing, the value of the phone does not decrease. The value of the phone still is what it is because of the capabilities, the capacities that it possesses, and therefore the potential within it. Likewise, it's the unique capacities that you possess as a person unique only to people, in contrast to anything else in existence that is the foundation of your inherent worth, not your abilities, not your achievements, not the things you've done or haven't done, whether or not you ever choose to learn to play the piano. It is your capacity to play the piano. You could learn to play the piano if you ever choose to. Nothing else in existence can say that. Nothing else can choose to learn to play the piano and then do it. Only people. It is the unique potential of all that is inside you. Its uniqueness, its rareness, and all of the potential that comes included with it. This is what sets the groundwork for our inherent worth. And, you know, I hate to bring God up more than absolutely necessary out of respect for atheist listeners. But for people who do believe in God, there's an aspect of this which is absolutely necessary to include. And that is, you are the only part of God's creation that he made in his image. And this does not mean his physical appearance. How do we know? Because God doesn't have a physical appearance. He's a spirit. No, what it means is that in all of physical creation, he created us and only us with the capacity 
to reflect the same good qualities that God himself has. Things like love, justice, patience, kindness, and all positive qualities like these. Only humans, only humans are made in God's image in this respect. This capacity, this unique capacity, unique to anything else in existence, is what sets us apart in an extremely dramatic way. Why do you have inherent worth? Because you are a person. It isn't dependent on any external factor. You simply have inherent worth just for being a person. And why? Because of the capacities that you, as a person, possess exclusively. All of the potential that exists exclusively within you because you're a person. Is this the end of the discussion about inherent worth? No, it's only the beginning. This conversation is not something we have this week and then you move on from. No, this is the conversation that is meant to jumpstart your personal work, to think hard on these things, expand upon them, to spend the next several years seeing the truth of I've hopefully given you much to think about and chew over in your own time that your mind will be breaking down, turning over and over, and then adding to. To close today, I wanted to share with you a poem of sorts. It's actually a song that I wrote. So this is a Brian Barnett original. It's a song I wrote, uh, oh, I reckon about six, seven years ago. But, uh, I'm very proud of it, and I wanted to share it with you. It's called Eight Minutes of Sunlight. If you don't know, it takes eight minutes for the light from the sun to reach us here on Earth. So what it means is that uh, you've never seen a, a sunrise or a sunset as it was actually happening. You're always seeing what happened eight minutes ago. Eight Minutes of Sunlight by Brian Barnett. There's something worth finding hidden in there. I'm stopping the world so I can see. You've been missing, alone and nowhere, but I'll make you visible to me. The sunlight in your hair took nearly eight minutes to get there, so I know everything can wait. Yes, I know, you've been worth the wait. There's something quiet buried in there, beyond the girl the world can see. They've overlooked it here and everywhere, but I'll make you obvious to me. The sunlight on your face crossed space in eight minutes to find you, so I know just what I'm meant to see. And I know it's all I've longed to see. There's something worth finding hidden in there. The world has slowed, now I can see. You've been missing, alone, and nowhere, but now you're visible to me. The sunlight in your hair took nearly eight minutes to get there, so I know that everything can wait. Yes, I'm sure, you've been worth the wait. The summer evening sunset fell in eight minutes to shrine you. Now I know all that they hadn't seen, and I know you're all I had longed to see.
eight minutes of sunlight, the lyrics to my song from 2013. Folks, I hope you have a wonderful week. The storm has hit. I hope you can't hear it through the mic. I uh, got the top on the Jeep. Everything's tucked away and tidy. want to remind you to run over to thelastsymptom.com. Leave me a donation there if you're so inclined. And if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one appointment with me, you can do so right from there, thelastsymptom.com. This is Brian Barnett signing off. As always, thanks for listening.